illustrious and also a little um, sobering and frightful, I would say, at some level, that some of the highest elected officers in our land are making light of the prayer side of this and attacking the prayer side and that that's a joke and that if prayer worked, you wouldn't have this problem. And um, separate, separate from the church there, I think that's a scary place that our country is coming to. And it's, and it's not just behind the scenes. We've known this is behind the scenes stuff. Um, we, we haven't, you know, we haven't had saints in the, in the uh, Congress and the Senate and the White House for a long time. Um, I, this is one of the things that just always gets me is when people talk about, you know, the not acting presidential and stuff like that. Go back to Kennedy. Kennedy was one of the worst. I know he gets the credit. Oh, he's the man. He's the guy. He was having affairs in the Oval Office. He was all kinds of stuff. And, and we're, we're, we're making fun of God. We're making fun of morality. We're making fun of God's word. And I just, I just don't think our country can keep doing this. Something's going to break. And it's, and it's not God, it's us. And uh, I think that's just a scary place for us to get to. So, so go with me back to, um, to uh, Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at this really quickly and then jump uh, further into this. Um, wait for my scripture to come up. <clears throat> I got me something the other day. I thought you guys might enjoy it too. Verse 18 of Romans chapter 8. So what we suffer now, I think it's upside down. Is it upside down? Yeah. So what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who all his children really are. Now, we, we can read down through that, but that's kind of the, the, um, the, the, the scope of this, that all of creation is waiting. All of creation is, is uh, uh, Scripture says, groaning. Um, waiting for the return of the Lord. As I mentioned last week, it, it wasn't... Uh, now, I, I'm not trying to um, uh, personify or give some kind of something to inanimate objects like rocks or trees or something. I don't think they have spiritual souls. It's not what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to say, you know, um, that your little puppy is making just decisions to serve Jesus Christ and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yes, I believe your dog will go to heaven. Maybe some of your dogs probably won't. But... but um, <laughs> And we know cats won't at all. And so, uh, but I'm not trying to say that a, that a tree has a spirit or soul. Okay, that's not what I'm trying to say. But, but this scripture and many other scriptures talk about creation is waiting for the, there's, the creation is waiting for a few things. As I talked about last week, creation is waiting to be redeemed. The Lord is going to redeem everything. Remember when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he creates the garden, then he puts Adam and Eve there. At the end of the, the six days of creation, it says in the seventh day he rested. But at the end of the six days of creation, what does he say about creation? It's good. He doesn't just say humans are good. He said all of creation, it's good. And so the, the, the reason I'm saying this is to, to help us to kind of broaden our horizons sometimes and to think a little bit past the limitedness of just us right now in our life on this earth going through life right now. That there's a lot more to this. There's a lot more that goes backwards and forwards. There's, there's, there's many, many souls that have come before, and there's many souls that will come after, depending on how long that the Lord is going to wait before he comes back. But when we look at this, and he's talking about, remember when Jesus, when they, when uh, that, that um, 
uh, Jesus says that, that if, they, if they don't worship me, even the rocks will cry out. I don't think that's just a metaphor. I don't think that he's just uh, doing a play on words there. I think the Lord is saying something. I think Jesus is saying something that goes beyond our, our uh, kind of our grasp and our scope is that all of creation itself, the, the creation is, has been divinely created and ordained by God to have accomplished the goals that God set down. When Adam and Eve sinned, they didn't just drag humanity into darkness and sin, they dragged all of creation. So the example I gave last week is that it wasn't a rose's fault that, that um, Adam and Eve sinned and a rose now has thorns. God didn't create a rose with thorns. I believe that. And I don't have uh, empirical truth to that, but I don't believe roses had thorns in the garden. I don't think there was any of that kind of stuff. Mosquitoes didn't suck our blood in the garden. Okay, I don't know what I don't know what they did. <laughs> um, I don't know if they, I don't know. I think I personally think mosquitoes didn't exist at all until the fall, and then you know Satan created. But we know Satan's not a creator, so I don't know. Do what you want there, but maybe maybe mosquitoes drink peach juice or something. I don't know, but we know that there wasn't death, there wasn't killing, there wasn't um, eating of of flesh and stuff like that in the garden. The first animal killed, God killed it, um, because why? Adam and Eve sinned, and he was providing covering and blood covering for um, Adam and Eve. Remember the, that death is always the penalty for sin. Adam and Eve sinned, and an animal died. All right, The innocent uh, usually get hurt a lot more than we do when sin enters into our existence. And so, so with that, <clears throat> in verse 23, it says, and we believers also groan. He, he's talking about creation all the way up until verse 22, and then in verse 23, he says that we believers also groan. The, the section above it has nothing to do with humanity. It all has to do with God's creation, separate from humanity. The creation is waiting for the Lord to come back. That, and I don't, believe, I, I don't believe he's just talking about this earth. I believe he's talking about the expanse of his universe and all this other stuff. Now, yes, sir. <clears throat> yes. Yes, so, um, again, you guys are trying to get ahead of me. This is, yes, that's true. But we're not to that part yet. But, but, yeah, that's a legitimate thing. Okay, so that's why I was talking about last week, because you guys tried to get ahead last week, too. That when God sends the new heavens and the new earth down, you understand that's a redo. That's a, this is the way I intended it. This is the way I created it in the beginning. Kind of the Garden of Eden mentality, that's what God intended from the beginning, right? Remember, they were kicked out of the garden because they couldn't eat from the tree of life. Remember the, the river that flows in Revelation 22, the river that flows, that, that starts where? People always say it starts in Jerusalem, but it says it starts from the Lamb. The river actually starts from Jesus and flows, and on each, on all, on each sides of the river going down, there are trees that change with the seasons. Remember I mentioned that a few weeks ago. Um, that the trees change with the seasons, but what is the fruit on those trees? The, the, these are the tree of life. And, and again, when we step into eternity, we're going to eat from that tree of life again with perfected bodies in a perfected creation, again, a redeemed body, redeemed creation, and we're going to eat from the tree of life again, and we're going to live forever, all right? Which is the way God intended us from the beginning. 
God intended us to marry Jesus from the beginning. I believe that very strongly. It doesn't say that anywhere in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, but it says it in Revelation 21, 22, and it, and it talks about what it talks about in other places too, but it specifically says that when God puts it back together, we're going to marry Jesus, which means that had to have been God's intention from the beginning, that we were created to, to partner uh, with God, co-create with God, to worship God, to serve God, and to marry Jesus Christ. And he was designing all of this to happen. He was designing us as, as, as rulers and reigners with him, the co-heirs uh, with Jesus Christ. All this stuff that we see later that we're going to redeem back to, which was apparently what God had designed in the beginning, or we can't be redeemed back to it. All right, now, this is where, um, let, let's kind of go to the next step of this, Okay. Uh, go with me to Luke chapter 19, verse 40. I mentioned this, but I want us to read it. Uh, somebody read that. Somebody rudely read that. Luke 19, verse 40. Now, again, I don't think this is just some kind of... Um, um, the Lord is really trying to bring some emphasis, so he does something like that. I don't think that's what he's trying to do. I really think that he is trying to say something that, that is trying to broaden our horizons. Now, again, before I jump into the rest of this, I don't want you to think that what I'm saying is that somehow the trees have a spirit or something like that. I don't believe that. But I have to be careful how I say this because I don't want you to think I'm, I'm in my head I'm thinking something new age-ish, because I'm not. But I, I, I said this last week, and I strongly believe this. I believe that the animals talked in the garden with Adam and Eve. I believe they talked, okay? A bunch of reasons. I always give those reasons. I don't want to do that tonight. But there, there's scriptural reasons why I believe they talked, okay? Regardless of whether you believe that or not, I do believe that when sin entered in and darkness entered in, it killed a lot of things on a spiritual, supernatural level. One of the things that we know for sure that it killed is our ability to see. It destroyed our ability to see certain things. Now, I don't know how this works because in my, in my thinking... My eye is just a lens, and it should see all the things that are seeable out there. But, while I do believe that's true, when it gets into my brain, which is in my spirit, it's cut off because of sin. And I can't see some of this stuff. I can't see angels and demons. I can't see certain things that I believe Adam and Eve could see those quite easily. They could see God. I can't see God. Okay? I can't see the Holy Spirit. But I know that he's here, but I believe Adam and Eve could see the Holy Spirit. And when sin entered in, it cut all that stuff off, and it, and it, and it and hindered things. And I think on some level, not in a, not in a um, worship the trees or plants or animals kind of thing, I don't think that. But at some level, it also cut that connection between us off. We don't interact with um, plants and animals and things like that the way that Adam and Eve did. And by the way, don't try to search out for that and come back to your roots. That can't happen until we're redeemed, in my opinion. Okay? But I believe there's something else there. I believe there's some other layers that are, that is a lot of stuff that's going on that we have cut ourselves off from and, and we don't understand it. Think about this. The ideal of intimacy, sexuality, all of that stuff has been greatly limited because of sin. It, it isn't and this is one of the lies that Satan tries to tell everybody, and specifically, um, you know, younger people. But I don't even think that's true. I think it's just everybody. Is that, that the forbidden fruit of sexuality or whatever that's potentially out there or whatever the case is, uh, Satan tries to convince us that it's, it's good. 
and it's legitimate, and it's better if we do this our way than the way God had intended it. Okay? This is one of the big lies of, of pornography. Pornography tells you that that's real, that that's real life. The biggest, the biggest thing that I've dealt with with couples over the years, that, that, that one or both or whatever have been involved in pornography, is the expectation, physically, anatomically, action-oriented kind of mentality that comes from the spouse that's been looking at pornography that is, that is completely irrational and never possible for that other spouse. It's never possible. You're never going to meet those expectations. It's never going to happen. Because a lot of what pornography does is it puts this seed of sin first, but it also puts this, this seed of expectation that can't ever be met. That's why pornography is so addictive, because you have to have more and more and more and more, because your brain keeps doing stuff, and, the, and physiologically, chemically, keep doing things, and you can't ever get there. And then, uh, male or female, used to be predominantly male, but nowadays females are, are getting just as involved in pornography as males. Then you look at that individual, and your mind looks at that as an as a, um, object instead of a, a spiritual creation of God which immediately begins to change that. That's not the way God designed this to work. It's not the, the idea of intimacy and connection and that, that one only person, all of these different layers and elements of this, we destroy by letting sin push and guide us. Because why? Our eyes are actually blinded to the bigger picture. And we think what we're getting is the big picture. We think if we investigate whatever, uh, addictions or attitudes, what, that we're actually being enlightened. It's the same lie that Satan told Adam and Eve way back. And the only thing we're doing is we're adding sin to it. We're adding darkness to it. You take a, a, a marriage and you, you have um, something like pornography or adultery or something. The only thing you're adding is sin to it. You're taking away the intimacy. You're taking away the connection. You're taking away the friendship. You're taking away the depth of relationship. And you're replacing it with your ideas of sin and degradation. And it's, and it's harmful. It, it's only destructive. It never helps it always, it's always destructive. And it's the same thing with anything. Anytime we reach out and grab onto sin in any kind of place and level and we bring that into our existence, whatever that arena is, we've now destroyed and began the destruction of that arena. Whatever it is. That's, that's where pride can destroy. That's where gossip destroys. We think of nowadays gossip is an easy one. Oh, it's nobody does. Nobody really. It's not that big of a deal. Gossip is extremely destructive because wherever you bring gossip in, it's a relational thing and destruction begins in that relationship. It begins there. And we could all go around this room and tell stories of times we wish we would have kept our mouth shut and we didn't and people are hurt. Relationships are hurt and some relationships are never mended because of, of what? Because we made choices. Because we chose to reach into an arena and pull something in because our blindness told us that was good, it was better. But our blindness is what's leading us. Okay, now, when we get this, and God's saying he's created this, and all of creation is, is waiting all this stuff. In, um, in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, it says, But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Now, this is, this is uh, interesting, the way that it says this. Let me, let me show you something you might not have seen before. It says, the earth and everything on it will be found uh, to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you shall live. Here's something that's very interesting. 
Scripture tells us that the foundations of the earth will never pass away. But this says it's going to be destroyed. Okay? But here's another thing that we see, is it says that humanity that, that sides with Satan, goes along with Satan, will be thrown into the, um, into the pit, into destruction, into uh, judgment, into um, the fire. But they never actually die. Right? Now, there's, here's another thing with this, and this is a side note. This doesn't necessarily have what to do with what I'm talking about. But this is a, a more common thing that's happening today is we have this theology that's floating around that, that hell is not eternal, or hell is, um, hell, it, it's not eternal in the sense that someday it will just end and we'll just be gone. The next philosophy is that it's, a, it's a rehabilitative, not punitive. Now, we get that from where? Our, our own mentality of legal system and everything else, where, where prison should be um, rehabilitative. And I'm not against that for some things under certain circumstances if it was truly rehabilitative. But that's not what it is. And ultimately, prison was designed to be punitive, not rehabilitative. I'm not against rehabilitation under certain circumstances. But what we've done is we brought that into the kingdom of God. Hell's not rehabilitative. It's punitive and it's eternal. It's judgment. It's not let's put it all back. You got, you got years on this earth with, with rehabilitation and grace and forgiveness and rehabilitation. You got all that on this earth. When you step into eternity, you're, you're sealed into that position. Okay? Now, with that, he's going to take all the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Now, this, this, what holy God and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurling, hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. Now, this is the interesting thing that I think that sometimes we, we see the information there, but we don't always put it right in our head what's actually happening. God says he's going to destroy this, this, this uh, heaven and earth, and he's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. Why does the Lord use the term heaven and earth when he's talking about the new one? Couldn't he say something like, I'm going to create a new place for you to be? I'm going to create a new dwelling for you? The reason that he uses the term new heavens, same term as the other one, and earth, same term as the other one, is because Scripture says that the foundation of these things are never going to be taken away. They're never going to be destroyed. Why? He's not going to destroy what he said is good. He's going to redeem it. He created it. He created it for purpose, and he's going to redeem it. All right? That's good. Because he says the same thing about us. I'm so thankful that he says he's not going to destroy us, but that he's going to redeem us. Well, he's also going to redeem creation. Okay? Now, all of that, all of that takes us. I told you this a few weeks ago. This is where we're going to go and we're going to focus on John chapter 3. Yes, sir. Yes, he's gonna, and that's human and creation. 
He's going to destroy the ungodliness of humanity and the ungodliness of creation. Now, the sad part is, is creation didn't choose this, okay? Creation was drug into that with us. Now, the other side is, creation also is not, um, doesn't have a soul, a spirit, and all that kind of stuff, and so it's not, it's not the same as it is for us. But he is saying, it's like the, um, it, it, um, how do I visually put this? Not, not in a destructive sense, but you know, if you've got a glass of milk that comes straight from the cow, not from the store, but from the cow, and you let that milk sit for about five or ten minutes, all of the cream rises to the surface. It's like taking that cream off. If somehow that cream was bad, which it's not. Don't let the doctors tell you that cream is bad. You take that cream off, well, then you have the, the, what's good uh, left over, okay? And that's kind of the concept is God's going to take all of creation, not just this planet. We have to think about it differently than just a, a globe. And he's going to take all of his creation. He's going to erase uh, or, or scrape off and burn off the ungodliness, and he's going to destroy the ungodliness. And if you're a human being that is choosing to grab on and hold on to that ungodliness into eternity, that includes you. Okay? But if you say, Lord, I, I ask you to cover me with your blood, and I want to be right with God, you're no longer part of that ungodly, uh, the kind of a dross mentality that he's going to scrape off. All right? The foundations of this thing is going to be redeemed. Why? Because, again, going back to the garden, he created for a purpose. It wasn't just a place for us to hang out. It's a, it specifically had design to it. It had purpose to it. The garden itself had purpose. Us being made and created and put in that garden had purpose. And we messed up the purpose. We messed up all of this. And so we're trying to, there's a scripture, I think it's um, like Acts 17 or something. I'm probably not right. But there's a scripture that talks about how it kind of a, gives the idea that we're scrambling we're scrambling around the dark looking for God. And, and I, I don't want to take that scripture out of context, but I feel like that sometimes. I, I know who God is. I know he's right here. I know he's with me. But because of my sin or rebellion or attitude, wherever I feel like sometimes I got my eyes closed and I'm wandering around. Doing this. My, my boys used to play this stupid game. This is when they were teenagers, young teenagers. And I would video them because I'm a good father. I would videos, but they would blindfold themselves and, and have a boxing match in our living room. Blindfolded. Well, most, sometimes mom was home, but she, didn't, she thought it was dumb. She didn't get the creativity of this. And they would stand there, and they're just walking around like this until they touch the other one. And then it's just going to town, you know, and, just, and somebody gets waylaid and just laid out. And it's hilarious, trust me. It sounds brutal, but it's hilarious. But that's how, I, that's, every time I would watch that, I would think about how, who we are as Christians. And we're wandering around like this, just waiting to bump into something. And then, when we bump into Satan trying to mess with us, we just start flailing. We don't actually just stop and take the blindfold off. We try to fight this thing blindfolded. I've got videos of this, by the way. But, but that really is, that really is the, the mentality. I mean, I see that, is that that's how we, that's how we live our life, is we... I mean, we're already kind of blinded. We already are blinded to some extent because of sin. But then what we do is we put our own blinder on that is self and it's pride and it's rebellion and it's, and it's um, all the ideas of like the way we verbalize it today, the choices that I'm making, all this, my personal choice and my freedoms. They're not freedoms. They're destructive things. And it blinds us even more and we, and we really live this way. Well, God is going to destroy all of that and he's going to redeem back 
um, what he had originally designed. He's going to redeem this back. All right, now, now let's go to John chapter 3, verse 16. And this is where the last, so all of last week and, and, and up till now, this is where, this is actually where I started with this was in this scripture, okay? And I stumbled upon this, and I didn't know what to do with that. I didn't know how to reconcile this. And so I began a journey of years and years of really looking at Scripture and saying, God, I feel like, I feel like I'm seeing something here that, that you're trying to show me, but I don't understand it. All right? John three sixteen. We all know the Scripture. I'm going to read it in New Living. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Okay? God sent his Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Now, Here's the interesting thing about this. When you unpack this scripture, what it's saying and what we think it's saying are actually, they're not different, but they're not, the, they're not the same thing, right? This is the way most people would translate this scripture. For God loved people so much that he gave Jesus that of all, so that all the people that would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent his son to the people, not to judge the people, but to save the people through him. There's a problem with this. There's four ways. Now, that, you can only do this in the King James. If you do this in other translations, it doesn't always work the same because they translate differently. But if you go back to the King James, in, in the entire New Testament, there's only four ways. Uh, there are four different Greek words that we translate into one word in English, and the word is world. Okay? In the Greek, there's four different words. We make it into one word, world, and they don't mean the same thing, okay? What are the possible um, definitions for the word world uh, in the New Testament from the Greek? What are the potential four other Greek words? What? I can't, I mean, yeah, but don't, don't rush me here. So, I'm saying the English Greek words, not that one, that, uh, what are, what, planet, as in terra firma, that's one of the words, Greek, the globe, that we translate into world in English. What's another one? Uh, the, the area, the, it's a uh, specific location, uh, like a, not the planet itself, but the, the uh, space that we are occupying. That's another one. That's, that's, uh, that's actually the second most popular one. Um, I can't think of the Greek word right now. It's like A-I-R-N or something, but it means, um, this sounds new agey, but it kind of means aura, the, the space around us, okay? The space you're occupying. That's another way that Greek we translate into world. A third one is people, humanity, human beings. Not the planet, not the space that humanity is occupying, but the actual persons. And that's actually the least most popular, uh, least most used Greek word that translates into world. The most common one, Anna, is? No, you got to say it now. <laughs> Don't get all belligerent now. You... It's cosmos. Cosmos with a K, by the way. That's the Greek. This is the most common word in the Greek that is translated into world in the New Testament. And right here in John 3.16, that's the word. They, Jesus doesn't use planet. 
He doesn't use people. And he doesn't use the space that you are occupying. He uses a word called cosmos. Now, this is very interesting to me. He could have, if, Jesus, if what this is saying is God loved people so much that he sent Jesus, why didn't he say people? God loved people so much that he sent Jesus so that everyone that believes in him could have eternal life. But that's not what he says. That is an option in the Greek, but it's not what Jesus says. He uses the word cosmos. The definition of the word cosmos, in a very basic sense, is uh, orderly system. That's what that means. Okay? If we take it into this in a biblical context, we would say cosmos means God's created orderly system. Right? Now, let's look at this. Let's, let's use that definition instead of the word world or people. Because Jesus, if, if Jesus wanted to mean people here, he would have said people, but he didn't. He was trying to say something much bigger. Let's look at this. For God so loved his perfectly created, ordered system, or if you don't like the word system, his perfectly ordered creation, that he gave his one and only son that everyone, and that's actually the word people, that all the people who believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God sent his son into this perfect ordered system not to judge it, but to save it through him. That's the concept of redemption, that God is trying to put it back together. What? People? Well, people are the center of it. We are the very center of this thing. That God is trying to do something much bigger. Now, this doesn't just mean in an eternal sense, and this is the part when I really begin to understand this and grab onto it, it really, it really made a bigger difference in a lot of different things in my life. If God is a perfect ordered creation, and he sent Jesus Christ to down the cross to cover me with his blood. See, he doesn't cover all of creation with his blood. He covers me with his blood, and that's how he redeems all of it. I'm the center of it. He covers me with his blood, and that brings redemption to all of it, little bits by little bits. Okay. Now, when he covers me with his blood, it doesn't mean that a rose no longer has thorns and a mosquito doesn't drink our blood. We're still in this system that has been broken. But the way that he does this, and, and, and really this is the way that he saves humanity in a specific sense, and it's the way he saves uh, creation in a general sense, is he does it through people. Jesus dies on the cross and, and his blood is out there to cover us. But how does his blood cover us? How do you get saved? You have to believe. You have to accept it by faith, right? Accept what through faith? What are you accepting? Jesus dies on the cross. How do you get that? You've got to accept that Jesus dies on the cross. According to Scripture, how do you get that information? Through the Holy Spirit, yes. Through God's Word, yes. Through acceptance, all those are true. But how do you get it? Somebody's got to tell you. You can't, you don't just wake up one day and go, Jesus is Lord. I will accept him through faith. 
The Holy Spirit showed me that last night. Now, are there stories and stuff? Yeah, I've heard some of those, but those are, those are rare, and that's not what Scripture says. It says faith comes through hearing. Hearing what? Word of God. This is the part that we don't think about is all of this redemption thing hinges upon humanity. In a specific sense, humanity to humanity telling, right? But in a general sense, the way that God redeems this is he, is as a human being, accepts Jesus Christ and begins to live for Jesus, it, it brings, remember the, the idea, if we turn off all the lights in here and one person lights a, a candle, we all see the candle. It, although there's still darkness all over the place, you can see that candle. If you put a bunch of those and a bunch of those and a bunch of those, eventually the entire room is light. That's the general sense, okay, that God is redeeming creation itself a little bit at a time and a little bit at a time. And every time we, sh- we praise the Lord, every time we, st- we stand for him, it, it is a blessing to the nations. Now, that is specifically talking about humanity, but I believe in a, in, a, in, a, in a big sense, it's also saying this creation is God's, and I'm establishing that, and then a rock doesn't cry out because I'm crying out. Now, I know, again, I'm, there's a lot of things we're mixing here. Jesus is saying that about the rock. Was the rock actually going to cry out? I, I don't think so because my brain is limited to the point where I can't imagine that happening. Except for then he says over and over that creation is literally groaning. Is that rock groaning? I can't hear it. I don't know, but I'm not saying Jesus is a liar. Creation itself is groaning, waiting for what? For the Lord to put it all back together. How does he do that individually? He does that with me, to me, and then with me, through me, to other people. And then as humanity, we're the center of this, as humanity accepts, accepts Jesus Christ, it establishes God back over creation. A little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. Now, again, don't take that to the point where, okay, then that means if I get saved, a tree gets its wings. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay? But at some particular point, this is why. You, you probably never thought about this down this road. Again, I, I usually go to the very core of this, but there's some peripherals too. The reason that society so much hates the idea of God the creator is not because God creates uh, trees and plants and things like that. It's because of the Ten Commandments later, right? When you get to the Ten Commandments, everybody's kind of going along, and okay, God created everything, we don't care, whatever, rah, rah, rah. we're just floating along. And then all of a sudden we come to the roadblock of the Ten Commandments, and if we're going to reconcile ourselves to the Ten Commandments, we're going to have to submit ourselves. And rather than do that, we can't attack the Ten Commandments. All right? Any thinking human on this planet, regardless of whether they believe in God or don't believe in God, no thinking human on the planet can attack the, the Ten Commandments responsibly. Don't murder? No, I don't like that one. Nobody can argue that legitimately. Okay? So rather than argue against the the concept of the Ten Commandments, we argue against the concept of the creator of the Ten Commandments. This is not divine. It's just human made. So then we can obey or not obey kind of every now and then. We We can kind of morph it a little bit if we take God off the table. Well, so then that's why we fight against God the creator. It's not... It's not God made a flower, and I hate that God. It's the God that made the flower also said, don't commit adultery. And we say, wait a second, who are you to tell me what to do? Um, I believe God's not real, so then God didn't create the flower, right? 
And here's another thing about this that we don't think about sometimes. Scripture says that all of creation is declaring God. Right? We know that. You can't look. I was driving, when was this? Saturday morning. No, uh, Monday morning. I, I, I come up here and it was about mm, 6.45. And, I, and I'm driving along Powers. I'm driving along Powers going north. I'm looking west. And all along I-25 was this thing of fog, clouds. I could see the mountains. I could see the hillside of, of like uh, Powers going down. But right across here, the church and all the way down I-25 was this, it looked like a river, but it was clouds, it was fog. I get to the church and it's in the fog. And I'm sitting there driving, and this is amazing. It was one of the prettier things I've seen in a long time, just amazing. And I'm thinking, how can you look at that and not see God's hand? How can you not see the amazingness of the createdness of God? Well, we don't want to see the createdness of God because we don't want to submit to him. So that's another reason that we attack God created everything. Because we would much rather point God out to be this horrible, mean, angry, judgmental God that sends people to hell, and then uh, a bunny rabbit hops across our path. And we can't reconcile that. The God that created that bunny rabbit is the God of everything. Well, that God's a mean God. He sends people to hell. Uh Uh-huh. But look at the bunny rabbit. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't reconcile in our head. So we have to attack the God of creation because even creation itself declares. Now, in a passive sense, I think the creation, again, this sounds like I'm personifying, I'm not trying to do that, but I think creation itself glorifies God in a passive way. You, you, don't, you don't hear the trees sing to God, but one thing you have to do is be out in the middle of the woods in the middle of the night where you get all the sounds of the, of the city away and a, and a breeze rustle through the trees and you can hear the trees worship God I I know I'm sounding all hippie-ish but you understand what I'm saying that's creation itself just declaring who God is I think God created things like that The, 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 the bubbling of a brook the creek in the middle of the mountains God designed it to to shout out hey God's real God's God's there and some people only hear water rustling I choose to hear that river is saying, God made me. Look at me. God made me. Again, I know I'm sounding all flaky, but maybe I'm flaky. But here's the thing that I don't think we think about. When, When Jesus says, when God says that he sent Jesus, he didn't send Jesus just to save a human being. He sent Jesus as the center of this thing to begin the redemptive process of all of creation. Again, what I said last week, this is why... Jesus is called the second Adam. The first Adam did what? Sin brought destruction, brought the, 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 the falling apart. The first Adam brought thorns. The first Adam gets us kicked out of the garden. The first Adam um, brings sickness and disease, and we live less and less and less and less and less. You've heard me talk about that before, too, that <clears throat> we, we get to the Scripture that says that... Um, that, it is, that, that man's time on this earth is basically 70 to 80 years. And, and uh, in, our, in our human thinking, in our humanistic, and our age of science and everything else thinking, we think that God capped that so we wouldn't live longer. I've heard people talk about that, that, that is, that's God keeping us from living longer. Is that what he was doing? 
How long were Adam and Eve going to live? Forever. How about the generations, say four or five generations after that, how long did they live? Seven, eight, nine hundred years? Uh, go maybe 20 generations later, how long are they living? 120, 140 years? Why did God say 70 to 80? So, so we would stop. You would basically live in five years now. Because sin is decaying, sin is destructive, sin is death, and it's continuing to kill us and kill us and kill us. And God finally said, okay, I'm going to stop it at 70 to 80 years. And then we think, because of science and technology and all this stuff, that if we keep working hard at this, we can go backwards and live 150 years and 200 years. We're still part of humanity, and sin, disease, and sickness will always destroy us. And I, and I do believe that, that's, that you could argue legitimately that the quality of life during that 70 80 years potentially is better nowadays. I don't argue against that. But you still have to look at that in retrospect of, of, of time backwards when you know, Noah lived 600 years. <clears throat> during the times of Noah, do you know what the, basically the average age that people got married? We can tell this from the, the genealogies and timelines. you know how old they were when they got married in the time of Noah? A little bit under 100, somewhere around 80, maybe to 85, is when they got married. Some of them really early at the age of like 60 got married, started having kids. And, I mean, again, I think the quality of life is better. But guys, no matter what science does, no matter what we do, we're not living 200 years. We're not doing it. Because why? God's Word says we're not. So when science says whatever, I go, okay, whatever. I mean, I see certain things, but I'm sorry, I can't buy into it. I can't believe it. It doesn't matter what it looks like. I'm not buying it. Because God himself said 70 to 80. And we're, we're living into our 90s nowadays. So, which by the way, my great-grandmother lived to 103. Right? That was, that was before a lot of the science we have nowadays. So, so what am I saying? This thing is destructing. It's, it's, it's tearing apart. It's dying. We're all dying. We're not living forever. And then Jesus says, my system that I designed, my creation that I designed was perfect. And God says, now I'm going to send Jesus to die on the cross so that I can begin the restoration of my creation, of my system, of my order of my perfection. I'm going to begin the creation, the recreation, the redemption of that. That's why, that's why when, when Jesus uses certain terms and Paul uses certain terms, we think about it only in a very specific, limited physical sense, but it's, I think it's much bigger. When he says you are now a new creation in Christ Jesus, and this is something that's being diminished and diminished in the church world today. We don't think about this new creation in Christ Jesus. I heard that all the time when I was a kid. But we don't like it in today's Christian world. Why? If you're a new creation, the rest of it says the old things passed away and all things are new. Well, we don't want the old things to pass away. That might actually mean, and I, and I saw an article, I've, I've investigated, I've looked at it, I've looked at it, I've looked at it. He has recanted a little bit of the statement. But the uh, pastor of Hillsong in New York City, did you guys see that where he is saying, 
he kept him on around and wouldn't admit that, wouldn't say that um, homosexuality was a sin. Well, I can't be a new creation in Christ Jesus if I believe that homosexuality is legit. It's the way God created me. If God saves me and creates me new, then that means I have to leave the sin. And if I believe that that sin is how I was designed, I can't be a new creation theologically. I can't be a new creation in Christ Jesus. So let's just not talk about that. Let's pretend that doesn't exist. And let's just say I'm kind of okay and Jesus just kind of wants to ratify who I am. He just wants to give a good that a boy, and you can do it now. He wants to be my motivator. He wants to be my excitement. No, he doesn't. He wants to be my changer. He wants to burn away all of the sin and create a new person in him. All the other stuff is passed away. And I'm supposed to think like that. I'm supposed to live like that. And I'm supposed to walk away from that stuff. But we're struggling in society even defining what Scripture lays down very specifically as sin. Well, this is a trick of Satan. If we can't even just systematically say, no, that is sin. That's what the Bible says. Well, then he's not saving us from that. Do you see what I'm saying? If this isn't a sin, he's not saving it from us from it. And so we just kind of keep living in it. And the church gets mired deeper and deeper in the sin. And we've convinced ourselves this is good because why? We're not allowing Jesus to redeem everything. Create a new person in him and save us. We're okay, Jacob. And, and the number one reason for that is AIDS. Um, other diseases, things like that. Yeah, th- this is something that caught me a few different times in a couple places I was in in Africa. Is you go into cities and villages and everybody there are young. Children and young adults. You don't see old people. Or you see the very, very old. Very, very old. And there's a whole, and, and it's almost like, and I'm, I'm probably speculating here, but it's like the oldest part of the generation didn't get caught up in all of the stuff. All of the generation down here did, and the disease and the sickness and all the stuff that Satan uses to destroy that we're voluntarily attaching to. We're going down the roads of that and the, and the darkness of that. And demographically, you can also go into countries that have been uh, predominantly Christian for a long time, and you see the exact opposite happening in those countries, in Africa even. Where uh, Kenya would be a good example of this, uh, where the the average uh, life expectancy, what am I saying, age age of people are much older in that country. Because of why? You you don't think it? You say, well, that's just coincidence. Is it? Is it coincidence? Now, obviously, it's not. We see. You can look at this demographically, not not just in in. Life expectancy, but you're seeing in all kinds of things where you see where, where countries begin to serve God predominantly, and you start seeing freedoms, you start seeing governmental freedoms, you start seeing 
uh, economic freedoms. You start seeing all kinds of things as outflows of we're going to pattern ourselves after what God has said to us. Yeah, good point, Jacob. Okay, so I'm going to unpack this a little bit more next week. But I want you to think about this. When, when he says God loved his perfect createdness, that's why he sends Jesus, okay? Yeah, system, they do. The, the definition of the word cosmos uses the word system. I don't like it because of the connotations also. But, if, but if, you, if you say the same thing, God's perfect created order or whatever, God's creation, perfect creation, um, the, the concept of the system, in my brain, system means that there is a plan and a, and a, and a, a nice flow chart. I do, yeah. Well, I've sounded a lot like a new age hippie tonight in a lot of ways too, but, <laughs> but, but God loved this thing so much. When, he, when he's sitting there and he's creating... You got to think about this. You take something like a blade of grass and you dissect that thing down to the very micro microscopic level, and the amazingness of the order of it, and the not system but the created order of perfection of that. And and God does that just with one blade of grass. Now multiply that across everything that we call creation. Yes, sir. Ungodly systems, imperfect systems. Yeah. I, I think it's amazing. I, I, I wish we had the ability to go back to creation itself and watch the Lord created. And when he says it's good to be there at that moment and feel his heart and his attachment to that. I don't think he was just looking at human beings. I think he's looking, I think, this is my picture, okay? He's got his arms around Adam and Eve and he says, now look at this. This is good. And Adam and Eve go, yeah, they got nothing else. They don't know. That's like telling Sawyer back there, oh, hey, look at this banana. Isn't it taste good? He said, I don't know. I've never had a banana. So and God says it's good, and, and they just kind of go, yeah, it's pretty awesome. But God knows what he means and all of this stuff. Guys, this is why, and I know I harp on this regularly, but I just, I just don't think sometimes we get this totally, and I'm, and I'm saying the church at large, not just us, but the church, is how destructive sin is. It destroys inside of you. Remember a couple years ago when I was talking about, some of you haven't been here that long, but when I was talking about how your brain works and the, and the proteins that God sends, that, that designed your brain to send down, to have information and memories and all this stuff, and each little protein literally does something. And when you have a, a negative attitude or negative thought, and this isn't just speculation, this, you, can, you can see this factually with uh, technology today that, that when your brain sends a protein, a thought that is not a healthy thought, your immune system attacks it. Do you realize how powerful that little bit of knowledge is? And when you have a sinful thought, this is in any country, in any context, in any moral code of any place on the planet. When somebody has what we know to be a basic immoral thought, the immune system tries to stop that protein until you send many, 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 and eventually your system just is overridden and it begins to take that as the norm. 
We don't preach it. We don't, we don't live it. We don't think it. We don't get in God's word about it. Guys, sin is destructive. It destroys us. And it destroys everything about us. It, it destroys the, the way we think. It destroys, this is something I, I've mentioned this before. And Lynn and I have done this a few different times over the years. If you want to see how real this is, just try this. You'll, you'll be amazed at how, what I'm saying is how powerful this really is. Go without, nowadays you'd have to include, years ago when Lynn and I did this, there was not a lot of uh, media input into our worlds. It was basically TV and radio and movies. They were color, but, they, but movies. And so Lynn and I have gone on different times, sometimes because we desired, but, but oftentimes because, like one time we went like four months without TV because our dog took a leak on our TV and it blew it up. We weren't choosing to not have TV, we just didn't. Um, and we were poor. And so we went about three or four months without TV. You do that, shut down all the media input into your world, Facebook, all that kind of stuff, for three or four months, and then turn it back on again, and you'll be amazed at what you um, uh, thought was okay. You'll be amazed at what input you let come into your world. You're saying, I watched that? The first time I ever did that, this sounds goofy, but the first time I ever did that, I watched one of my favorite shows after that, um, the Andy Griffith Show. And I saw all this stuff that they were trying to infiltrate into society through that show back then. And today, I would consider that one of the best, cleanest shows out there. But you could see the infiltration mentality. I had never noticed it before. Um, it, it's amazing how much... We don't allow just to come into our world, into our system, and we don't think about it. We don't think about it. And I think sometimes we've got to learn how to push back and say, wait a second. Sin is sin. When do we just say sin is sin? I, I know I pick on these things, but I say this to the guys. Guys used to be the ones saying no to it. But if, if the guys won't, ladies, say no to it. You go to a theater and you sit there and there's naked people on the screen. Are you okay with your husband looking at that? Are you okay with that? Husbands, are you okay with that? This is the way I would always look at it. This is how I judge it. You know, you get the what would Jesus do? Great. That's not how I judge it. I would say WWGD, what would grandma do? And I sit in the movie theater, and I think about my missionary grandmother sitting there in the movie theater with me. Am I okay with this? Am I okay? Grandma's not okay with this. Amy? Randy, R.D., what would Randy do? Randy don't, Randy don't know. For you guys that don't know, when I got voted in here, the previous pastor came and gave me a bracelet that said, what would Randy do? So that I know to do the opposite is what I've told him. But whatever Randy do, opposite. <laughs> what, but, but guys, you can, put, you can put whatever you want in here. What would Grandma do? You know? This is some of the things that I think sometimes we just kind of pass over is we just kind of deal with it and we go along with it and we don't think about it. And, and, and guys, this stuff is slowly eating at our souls. It's slowly eating away and eating away and eating away. And then we become so numb to it, we don't even process it. I, I, I think about sometimes, you ever done this? You ever 
watched a movie that you saw like in the, well, for some of you, be, I was thinking late 70s, but some of you, you were not alive. But um, I go to, back to a movie I watched when I was a teenager, and I think, I watched this? It didn't seem bad when I watched this. This is a horrible movie. I don't want my kids watching this. I don't want them seeing this. I thought it was okay, but it's not. Right? Okay, I could pick on that stuff all night, but you guys know what I'm talking about. God, God wants to do some pretty amazing things, and he sends Jesus to redeem us. He sends Jesus to redeem all of this, our thoughts, our brains, our attitudes, our hearts, society itself, society itself. You know, again, you know the best way to push back against things like abortion is live as a Christian, not pick it. Live as a Christian. The more you live as a true Christian, the light will push back against the darkness. Witness to people, when they get saved, the light pushes back in their darkness. And then they witness to somebody, and the light pushes back in their darkness. And if we're getting more and more people saved, there's less and less people that are going to be processing maybe an abortion is a good idea. Right? Somewhere we've got to say, wait a second, I've got to live for Jesus at all times. There's not moments when I cannot, because when I'm not, darkness is invading. Sin is taking over. Not just me, but my arena. My, the other word uh, for world, the space that I dwell in. Sin is taking over that space. All right. So how are we going to pray about this? <laughs> pray, pray your dog takes a leak on your TV. He did. It made me so mad. We had one of those big wooden console TVs, one of the huge ones. Somebody had given us, Lynn and I, were, we'd been married like a year. And I opened the door, and the dog runs in and runs straight over the TV. We were watching Hook. You guys remember that movie? With Dustin Hoffman. And dog runs over, raises his leg, and blows. It literally, <laughs> smoke comes out the back. I was like, for a moment, I was like, is that in the movie? And we went without TV because we're spiritual. <laughs> the dog got a stern talking to. <laughs> what are some ways? What is the Holy Spirit rolling through, through you? How are you going to pray about this, you personally? Yeah. It wouldn't be bad, right? We would, we'll live. We'll live through it. Yeah. And it's different for everybody. Some, some of you aren't TV watchers, but radio, you know, or, or for, for some of us in this room, and I'm not really a Facebook person, but some of you, the idea of going a few days without Facebook will kill you. You might try it. You can, you can do it, I promise. You can make it. What are some other things? What? what? <laughs> you sound like my kids. Dad, how do I know smoking pot's bad unless you try it? My kids have never said that. I think they thought it, though. What, what's the Holy Spirit telling you personally? How, what about all this? What do, you, what do you need to pray? What are you thinking? See more of what? 
Maybe, and I think we pray this. I think some of you pray this. I pray this different times. Lord, I want to see you bigger than I see you now. Whatever that means. I want to see you bigger. I want to see, I want to see your, your handprint on the stars in the sky, on the mountains. I want to see, I want to see your breath. You know, the scripture says that we, we can't see the Holy Spirit, but we can, any more than we can see the wind, but we can see the leaves rustling, and we know that the wind is blowing. In my head, every time I see leaves rolling, I always think of the Holy Spirit. I want to see that. Holy Spirit, I want to see you. Not in leaves, but I want to see you moving through lives and, and people and things. And, and I do pray this because sometimes, I hate to say it this way, but sometimes as a pastor, I can be very negative. I can, be, I can see things to be more discouraged about than positive. And I don't want that. I want to see the Holy Spirit moving through your lives. I want to see the leaves rustling through your lives. i tell you something. Saturday morning when Sergio gave his testimony to the men, we had, we had the smallest men's breakfast we've ever had. Some of you men, you missed one of the best. Um, <laughs> some of you, uh, you missed one of the best testimonies, if not hands down the best we've had since I've been here in five years. We should do it again. Why? I, I, could, I could see the evidence of the Holy Spirit moving in that. I could see that. That's what we need. Right? I'm going late. The kids are getting out. Let's pray. God, we thank you for you. Lord, open our eyes. Open our spirits to see you. Lord, I know you're way bigger than what I see right now. You're way bigger than what I know right now and what I feel and what I sense. Lord, I know that you are so Open my spirit. Open every one of us in here. Open our spirit to the bigness of who you are, the grandeur of you. Lord, and let us realize that even creation does a better job of worshiping you sometimes than we do. And Lord, we want to we sing your praises. We want to live your, your praises. We want to be a blessing to the people around us because of your majestic authority and power. And Lord, we do humble ourselves. You you are the creator of everything. You're the creator of us. Lord, we, we know that there is sin, and it's defined by your word. It's not defined by me or any person in this room. It's defined by your word. And Lord, we don't want to be a part of sin. Forgive us and help us to separate from sin. Lord, we want to be new, brand new in you as a, as a glimmer, as a first fruits, as a, as a hint of the amazingness of what you're going to do when you redeem this whole thing. Lord, let us see let us see this big redemptiveness that unfold in our personal lives. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, we again, we lift up that First Baptist Church. And we ask you to bless them with you. They need you right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. We will see you Sunday.